Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We've been reading in 2 Peter. Now this is the second letter or epistle that Peter has written. Last time we read chapter 2 and now we are ready to read chapter 3. Now I am reading in the Amplified Bible. Now at the end of chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter is talking about those who have, you know, been saved and have escaped um, the sins and pollutions of the world and then returning back to them, how it is worse for them uh, to know salvation and then return, then, you know, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Let me just read the last couple of uh, verses here. For it would have been better for them not to have personally known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to have turned back from the holy commandment verbally handed on to them. The thing spoken of in, in the true proverb has happened to them. The dog returns to his own vomit and a sow is washed only to wallow again in the mire. Meaning, you know, the pig goes back to the mud and all that. If you're familiar with pigs, which <clears throat> I'm not as familiar as some people, but I am somewhat familiar, you, you know that they do like to wallow around in the mud sometimes. Of course, sometimes your dog does too, and that drives you crazy. But that's beside the point. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. I, I know these things happen. All right, so now we're looking at Second Peter. We're ready to read chapter 3. Now that is the final chapter of Second Peter. So there's a little close up to this, but there's also some more. So we're gonna I'm gonna read this starting in verse one. Again, remember I'm reading in the Amplified Bible. Beloved, I am now writing you this second letter. In this, as in the first one, I am stirring up your untainted mind to remind you that you should remember the words spoken in the past about the future by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior given by your apostles, his personally chosen representatives. Now, Peter is reminding them to remember what has been said of the past, said in the past regarding the future, what's to come. And now he's going to talk about the day of the Lord. First of all, know, without any doubt, that mockers will come in the last days with their mocking following after their own human desires and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Where has What has become of it? For ever since the fathers fell asleep in death, all things have continued exactly as they did from the beginning of creation. Now I want to stop for just a moment. Now one, this sounds kind of like today in a way. There's, Of course there's always been people who have mocked and, and not believed and, and put down those who do believe. So this is not terribly unusual. Now I do believe that the last days, we are living in the last days, because the last days, to my reckoning, from my belief and understanding, started with Jesus ascending back to God. So, now, though you may count that as like after the apostles, I suppose, but I, I really considered it after, after Jesus had ascended. But, also, do you notice they say, you know, all things have continued exactly as they did from the beginning of creation? Well, yeah, that's because God set everything in motion and it will continue until 
he says otherwise, I mean, there's there's verses where he plainly, you know, says that, you know, season, winter, cold, nothing will cease until, you know, until he decrees its time, until that's the end. In other words, until the Lord comes back and we have a new heaven and a new earth. I don't want to get into details on that or take too long, but I just mean it's kind of funny that here again, in a way, they are agreeing with God. Hey, nothing's changed, you know. We, we don't see any, we don't see Jesus coming back. He's not back yet. We don't see anything. And that's, I understand, you know, people, I guess people lose faith when they don't see something, but you don't want to, you don't want to not be ready when you do see it because that's when it's too late. Um, at least to my understanding, that's when it's too late. So you want to make sure that you're ready before you see it. Nonetheless, um, let's move on. For they willingly forget the fact that the heavens existed long ago by the word of God, and earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed by being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly people. See, we don't want to wait till then. We want to try to get everyone we can saved before then, because then it's too late. So we definitely you know, want people to realize that, yeah, everything's continuing the same because that's the way God set it up. He set everything up. He set the world up, the planet, I mean, the earth, to be inhabited and to be inhabitable for us. So it's going to run and exist until the time where it won't, where the Lord comes back. And again, like I said, we have a new heaven and a new earth. And it's, you know, I know people, I guess, I guess scientists have been back and forth. There's some, there's some who, you know, say there was no worldwide flood, but then there are some who show and there are signs that there was, um, a worldwide flood, you know, uh, but, you know, I know that that's not a popular theory to say, well, there was, you know, you know, God had the flood. For me, it's not. A theory it's really a belief I believe that there really you know was a worldwide flood and that's why we see what we see and they mistake it and they think oh it's the ice age glaciers and all these things but but when the flood occurred it changed the world drastically um, the the rain for and everything I mean it was like a year-long event of of a worldwide flood and that's probably the best I'm going to be able to say without going back and, and looking at the details of that yet but um, there was a lot of time with the with the rain and everything else and the sun being blocked by all the all the uh, you know basically all the moisture and catastrophe that was happening and um, so we had not really so much an ice age as we just had um, because of the coolness and it took you know it took years for the the world to for the earth to you know go back um, for the the ice to recede and stuff but but it wasn't like thousands of years of an ice age or anything like that it was just uh, it was just a worldwide flood the world was cooler for you know maybe a hundred years or so and then the ice 
the ice caps gradually were, you know, where they had extended a little bit, they, they gradually went back, you know. Um, it wasn't like ice covered the earth or anything like that. There wasn't that drastic of a change. But there was a flood. And there was a lot of water. And that caused a lot of what we see and a lot of what they think of as the ice age and glaciers. Uh, there was more ice for a while. And, you know, those things are logical and make sense. Uh, there's a there's a great series from Apologetics Press that you can watch on YouTube and see about all this. It's very, very good. They have real, they have real scientists, not me. They have real scientists <laughs> explain things and, and talk about how this is and how this worked. It's a great thing to see if you want to look that up. Again, that's Apologetics Press, and I'm not really just trying to plug them. It's just I find... Uh, that group to be a pretty good resource for a lot of a lot of science that follows the evidence and, and really follows the Word of God. All right. <clears throat> so, verse seven. But by His Word, God's Word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly people. So, of course, the world, the earth, I mean, the earth, the solar system, the universe is going to continue the same until God says different. Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promise as some count slowness but is extraordinarily patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So here is why we have so long. Here is why the earth continues. You know, time is not the same for the Lord necessarily as it is for us. He is eternal and he is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once, even in time. He's everywhere all the time. So, because he is only, you know, he is all spirit. He is a complete, all-powerful spirit being. Okay, and there's more to him than, than I understand or know. But I'm just saying, as, you know, as an example here, um, because he is above and beyond what we think of. Um, and that's my best way of counting that but also notice that he doesn't delay and he's not slow what it is is and peter's saying you know what what it is is that he's being patient towards us because he doesn't want anyone to perish he wants all of us to come to repentance he wants all of us to come to him so it's not like he's being slow or going to take forever you remember in Noah's day, and, and Jesus said it will be like in Noah's day again. In Noah's day, there was no one left except Noah and his family. You know, eight people out of all the world. And it says everyone, you know, everyone was just continually thinking of evil and doing evil. And God had, you know, he waited till there was no one left. You know, there was just these eight people, and then he saved them and, and wiped the rest out. And I imagine it's going to be very similar in the future when the Lord returns. That 
it's going to be like in the days of Noah where there's just going to be very, very few people left. Most of us will probably be uh, what uh, Paul would call being asleep in the grave. And then the Lord will return. Now that's just my take on it, what I think and what I believe, but I think the scriptures uh, largely support that. Now I could be wrong and and the Lord could show up tomorrow night <laughs> or today. You know, I don't claim to have any special knowledge. I'm not going to claim that. That would be wrong. And if anybody does claim that, that's, well, I mean, basically I think they're lying at that point. So, because um, Jesus said only the Father knows. He didn't. He says he doesn't even know. So, I tend to take him at his word. So let's continue on uh, with Peter here, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will vanish with a mighty and thunderous roar, and the material elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and the works that are on it, that are on it, will be burned up. All right. I apologize for that temporary, um, well, technical difficulty. All right, so we're going to continue now. That was verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will vanish with a mighty and thunderous roar, and the material elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and the works that are on it will be burned up. Now, some manuscripts, they have a note here, a couple of notes. Some manuscripts say that the works on the earth will be discovered for what they are or shown to be what they are, which is temporary. But it's also, uh, I think, the correct, um, <clears throat> I think the correct um, translation here that they will be burned up is also true. Uh, but it's interesting that that's another uh, kind of translation that things will be shown to be temporary. They will be discovered to be temporary. Um, because all of it will be burned up. Well, we know that everything in this life is temporary. It's transitory. It's not eternal. So, But it will be proven at that point. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be in the meantime in holy behavior, that is, in a pattern of daily life that sets you apart as a believer, and in godliness, displaying profound reverence toward your our awesome God, while you earnestly look for and await the coming day of God. Now, the Amplified adds a lot of stuff in there, but even if we take that out and read this, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be in holy behavior and in godliness? Let's see. Um... Look for and await the coming day of God. So, either way, I mean, with, I admit that the Amplified adds a lot to that. It doesn't take away from the meaning, but it's saying, you know, it's, it's really kind of filling in what maybe Peter thinks is just understood. I'm saying that, you know, how, since this is the case, since the world is going to be destroyed, you know, the world is temporary, transitory, it's going to be destroyed. How should we be? You know, how should we act? Should we not act in holy behavior and in godliness while we're waiting and looking for the Lord to return? And the answer, of course, though not given, it's a rhetorical kind of question is, yeah, 
That's how we ought to be. We should be acting like our God and like our Lord, acting appropriately, waiting for the return of the Lord. For on this day the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the material elements will melt with intense heat. But in accordance with his promise, we expectantly await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So, beloved, since you are looking forward to these things, be diligent and make every effort to be found by him at his return, spotless and blameless in peace, that is, inwardly calm with a sense of spiritual well-being and confidence, having lived a life of obedience to him. And consider the patience of our Lord, his delay in judging and avenging wrongs, as salvation, that is, allowing time for more to be saved, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him by God, speaking about these things as he does in all of his letters. Now here Peter, Peter, you know, mentions Paul and backs up what Paul has said, very much the same, you know, the Lord is trying to give everyone time to be saved, trying to give everyone a chance at salvation. That's that's the only reason we're still around as long as we are. And we do. We want as many people as possible to be saved, to come to salvation, to know the Lord. <clears throat> Alright, so and Peter is basically, like I said, again backing up, reinforcing what Paul has said, reminding them too. Okay. In which, now he's referring to Paul's letters, in which there are some things that are difficult to understand, which the untaught and unstable who have fallen into error twist and misinterpret just as they do the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. We still have some of that going on today. There are some things in the scriptures, you know, most of, I'm going to say this, most of the New Testament is fairly clear, fairly simple, easy to understand. And you can see all through, starting with the Gospels, all through um, to where we are right now, and I think where we're going, there's a steady, just a steady beat of, you know, we need to love one another, care for one another, not be judgmental, not be like the Pharisees and have these weird uh, tradition uh, traditions and restrictions that are you know, we're using to keep people out of heaven or to keep people away from God. We need to let people know that they have freedom. You know, even Paul says, you know, all things are, you know, all things are, oh, what's the word, are admissible? Is admissible the right word? Not exactly. Uh, but not everything has been permissible. All things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So, um... And that can change from person to person. To some people, some things are not beneficial to them. So uh, maybe it's harmful to them for some reason. So uh, they don't partake in that, or they don't have anything to do with that. And for others, it's it's their you know it's okay. Now they used Paul uh, and others, but largely Paul used food as that example mainly because they had a lot of food rules. He also talked about circumcision and how that was, you know, we have examples right here in these scriptures how uh, 
the scriptures were twisted and misinterpreted and things were taken incorrectly and you know false teachers come in you know and really if you look at like I, I think I've said before if you look at uh, a lot of Christians in America are routinely circumcised due to all this false teaching that occurred thousands of years ago and and in this sense that false teaching is still there now other now other people may have valid reasons of their own or their own belief for doing it but if your belief is you think the Bible is telling you you have to do that you're wrong you don't there is no requirement for that so just want to make sure Paul makes it abundantly clear there's no requirement for that um, <clears throat> so that's just yeah, that's just the way it is. So, here we are. So, um, where am I at now? I have... Okay, well, where Peter says, in which there are some things that are difficult to understand, which the untaught and unstable, who have fallen into error, twist and misinterpret, just as they do the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. <coughs> Therefore, let me warn you, <coughs> pardon me, and mind you, the examples I bring up, some of the same examples Paul and them use, those are not the worst things. The worst things are to twist the scriptures and to tell people, well, things that are inherently not true or definitely go against the word of God. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like, um, I think it was, was it the Corinthians? I think um, someone had told them that the Lord had already come and they had missed it. You know, I mean, if you're telling people that are, things that are totally against the word of God then it's wrong if you're telling people that um, if you're saying the Bible says one thing and it doesn't I mean that's totally wrong um, if it says that one group of people are evil and blah 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 you know and you can make up whatever you want about them but you know and and, and let's just say Nazi Germany used that against the Jews <laughs> Um, Hitler and his cohorts use that against the Jews. Okay, so I mean that kind of teaching, that kind of thing, and pretending to be Christian when you're teaching things that are definitely against God's word—that's that's wrong. Okay, that's totally wrong. God's word and believing in God's word will not cause you to hate other people. Quite the opposite. Very much the opposite. You will not be hating and be discriminating and be prejudiced against other people. That is not the way God's word works and those that may say or think that are people who have not read and understood God's word. That's It's that simple. Alright. Verse 17 Therefore let me warn you, beloved, knowing these things beforehand be on your guard that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men who distort doctrine and fall from your own steadfastness of mind, knowledge, truth, and faith, but grow spiritually mature in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, honor, majesty, splendor, both now and in the day of eternity. Amen. Now that is the end of 2 Peter chapter 3, and that is the end of 2 Peter, because next we get into 1 John. So, you'll notice that, like with so many of the other epistles, Peter has to talk about, again, false teachers, people twisting the scriptures, people 
wanting to add meaning that isn't there or take away what is there and that's always going to be wrong we don't want to do that um, we do need to make sure that we're reading and learning and studying in context and not I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing cross-referencing because, because there is not there's so many scriptures that back up other scriptures and I understand that but a lot of times we have to be careful and make sure that what we're reading we're reading in context we're understanding in context what is being said you don't want to just grab a verse at random out of the middle of somewhere and and say that it means whatever um, because it may read one way all by itself and you may you may be able to present it as if it just has one meaning the way you want it to mean when you pull it out of context like that but when you put it in context and read the whole chapter you read everything around it then you get a much better understanding of the context uh, that's one thing about we have to remember we're this is all translated from the original like Greek um, and, and Hebrew and then there's some Aramaic and that the translation no matter how much they try it's not totally like word for word it is you know it is translated and that means there is some uh, paraphrasing making it sound correct and read correctly to us in our language which is English for me but let's say you were Italian and you had an Italian Bible then your Bible has been translated into Italian and it would be um, the Hebrew and the Greek would be not um, the meaning would not be changed but it would be arranged so that it met the requirements of that language and the same with French or German um, it's not that you would change the meaning it's that you the the language structure and different things would change and thus you would have a Bible in that language and things would be essentially paraphrased from the Greek and the Hebrew because you can't necessarily do it exactly word for word because the sentence structures and grammar and everything is different so um, we just need to understand these things there was a guy um, I believe his name was William Tyndale and I posted on a uh, Facebook about this that uh, you know he was burned at the stake for translating the Bible into English and we think of that as being a shock uh, and a horror but that's why we have to be careful when we come against other translations of the Bible or we come against people for reading a different translation we have to understand that the people doing these translations they are um, they are trying to do the work of God and keep the Word of God translated together in a very meaningful way that we can sit down and read and understand our Bibles whether you're reading a Chinese Bible a Japanese Bible a Korean Bible I can't think of all the languages of the world I do apologize but but any language that the Bible is translated into doesn't matter um, they are trying to make sure that we have a readable understandable Bible and uh, we just need to be aware of that and watch out 
for these false teachers by doing what? By reading our Bible. Read our Bible. When someone tells you that your version of the Bible and only the, that their version of the Bible is the right one and only theirs, they are probably most likely misguided and have been taught wrong because that is just not the way it works. If that were the case, then you, we would all really have to go back and learn the Greek and the Hebrew and the American, uh, what's that, Ara Aramaic, of the original text, if we had to have the original text to, to, to really, you know. And then we would spend lifetimes and we would never understand, and that would not be good for us. That would really be a detriment and negative for us. So so we need to be on guard though against people who are twisting the scriptures and trying to uh, teach us incorrectly and the way we do that is we study the Bible, we study God's Word. Uh, when we listen to others, like when we listen to preachers and things, we need to make sure that we're judging what they're saying by the Word. Now we're not judging them. Anyone can make a mistake. Anyone could be wrong. And we can definitely talk to them about that. But we want to make sure that we're judging the message, following along in our in our Bible, and make make sure that that the Bible actually backs up what they're saying and that it's correct, and make sure that you know things are not being taken out of context. One of the reasons I like doing this study like this, whereas some people might say, "Well, you're not, you know, you're not exposing everything, you're not pulling everything out of every little." Uh, verse or whatever. Uh, the reason I like doing this is I'm definitely making sure that I'm taking everything in context. Now if I make a mistake and I have something wrong or I say something wrong, I really want to be corrected. But that's one thing I'm trying to prevent. I'm trying to make sure that I'm going through and studying and reading this in context, taking each epistle and each chapter you know, on its own. Um, realizing, of course, that some, some chapters do connect and do flow into one another. So you have to realize that a letter is a letter, and the letter as a whole is, is its own entity, and you have to make sure you're taking everything in context in that letter. So, all right. I think I've droned on enough about all this, but we do want to make sure that we are not um, falling in with or being deceived by uh, false teachings and distorted doctrine and we want to make sure that we remain steadfast in our faith and in in the truth of God's Word so I, I mean I think that's really very 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 extremely important alright thank you for listening I hope you have a wonderful day may God bless you and keep you safe and remember God loves you